Amen. Good morning. So glad you're with us at South City Church. Enjoying the nice sunshine. It's finally starting to melt away some of the frozen tundra out there. Glad you're with us this morning at South City. My name is Drew Klein. I'm one of the pastors. Um, so excited about what God is doing in our church and what he's doing through our family uh, of believers here. My heart is a little heavy this morning. You know, my, we've been watching what's kind of unfolding um, in Ukraine. And uh, honestly, seeing what's happening in Ukraine um, moves me <laughs> even further toward a desire for us to be equipped. It gives me even more of a passion for our heart as a team, as elders and leaders, to help equip you, the church, and all of us for the work that God has for us, right? Because uh, this is just a, a crazy time. And it, it, it continues to make me think about what we have in store for our future, um, knowing that, you know, it could be that for the church it may not get much easier for us. It may just get more difficult. Uh, and that may be okay. The fastest growing churches in the world are uh, communities and countries in conflict. Uh, so I pray that the Lord would move in his church. I believe he's doing that in us. Uh, you know, we've said as a church, we're going to be a, a, a people who are not focused on just a service, just a location, just a building, just a campus. We want to be a family of imperfect people who are forgiven by the grace and mercy of Jesus. We want to know him more, and it's going to take each other to do that. We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, today. And I think we're finally beginning to understand that we've been given this unbelievably important mission we talked about that last Sunday. If you didn't get to hear the message last Sunday, please take a look at Ephesians 3, 10, and 11 and begin to get a sense of how important the church is. Begin to get a sense of, of what God wants to do through his people, the church. Not just services, not just locations, but through you, through a people. And get a sense of the importance of what God is, is calling us to and equipping us Four. That's why we have our equip meeting. It starts at 11, and uh, hope that you'll join us in that. Today I'll be talking about a um, little something called I will statements, which is just little informal um, promises that we make to one another as the church to be obedient to the Lord. And uh, I hope that you'll come and listen to that and, and learn, and we can practice what that means to walk in obedience together in the Lord. So Ephesians is the, is the series we've been in. And the book is really interesting because it has six chapters, and the first three chapters really deal with, with uh, some deep theological issues and doctrine. Uh, Paul has shared with us things about the blessings that we have in Christ, the salvation that we have in Christ. It's not something we've done, it's a gift that Christ has given us. But not only has he saved us, but he's also uh, saved us from, from hell and death, but he's also given us a new position as saints. Ephesians 2 says he seated us with Christ in heavenly places. So we have an, a, a, even a new position together. Talks about the church that we've been brought together. That you know, not just as humanity but as a new humanity, a new society of believers called the church. And, and God has this incredibly important mission for this multicultural, uh, multicultured, multicolored, multi-talented uh, national, multinational group of people to come together and be on mission for Jesus. And last week we talked a little bit about how important that responsibility is. So as Paul's considered all this, he's going to wrap up the first half of the book. And I love the fact that uh, this is the second time in the first three chapters Paul has prayed for these people. But today we're going to get into a prayer of Paul. So if you have your Bibles, look with me in Ephesians Chapter 3, verse 14. We'll read this text together. 14 through 21 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ 
that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray with Paul, can we? Father, Lord, we just approach this text this morning in humility. And yet, God, I, I pray that what he prays for these Ephesian believers, that would, it would be true of us. That it would be true of South City, God. That you would grow us in sanctification. Give us deep roots, firm foundation. And help us to understand and know and experience the incredible love of Jesus. And may that motivate us, Lord, to know you and make you known more than we ever have before. Oh God, wake in our hearts for the mission you have for us. God, we love you. We pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would do strengthen us. Help us to comprehend what we're going to read and, and talk about today so that we can love you and know you more. God, I pray with all my heart that you would increase today that your spirit would lead us to all truth, that I would decrease, and that you would go before us and begin, even now, working in our hearts toward obedience to follow you and know you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. It's interesting, um, verse 1, chapter 3, Paul starts the same way, he starts verse 14. He says, for this reason, and remember back in verse 1, Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, and he starts to go in this free, on your behalf. And it's almost like at that moment, that phrase jogged Paul's memory. Oh, yeah, it's on your behalf, and he starts going into the mystery. It's like he kind of got an ADD moment. Paul got an ADD moment. Isn't that good to know that he has that too, right? He kind of gets sidetracked, goes into this whole explanation of what the mystery in the church is, that Jews and Gentiles are coming together, and, and he begins to share about his own responsibilities and job descriptions, the, the roles that God has given him uh, to play and to fulfill. And so, and then he comes down to the text we're in today, verse 14, and it's almost like he goes, oh yeah, this is what I was going to do in the first place. He started, sort of was like sidetracked for a moment in a beautiful way. But then he comes back and he says the same thing again in verse 14. For this reason, <laughs> this is what I was going to do. <laughs> I bow my knees before the Father. I love this because when you read that, if you know much about Jewish culture, you know that bowing was not how they prayed. Jews stand to pray. If you've ever seen pictures or video of, of Jews at the, at, the, at the Wailing Wall, uh, which is the back wall of the, of the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, you'll see them standing and kind of just, that, this is the typical posture of a, of a Jew in prayer, not to kneel. So what, what's up with Paul? Why is he kneeling now before the Father? Why has his posture changed? Well, I think it shows desperation. I think it shows authenticity and brokenness before God. I think there's, there's other examples of people who've fallen to their knees. I was looking, uh, Ezra got on his knees and confessed the sins of Israel before the Lord. Solomon gets on his knees to dedicate the temple in an earnest prayer. Jesus falls to his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood, praying to the Father. We see Stephen, just before he's stoned to death, as his attackers are coming after him and beginning to stone him, fall to his knees and pray for those attackers. On his knees he prays for their salvation, that God would forgive them for what they're doing. We see Paul follow his knees uh, in Miletus with the Ephesian elders, these, some of these same people he's writing to now. He falls to his knees and it says they weep and pray together in Acts 20. So each time I've seen people falling, Jews falling to their knees and praying, it's out of this desperate brokenness and pleading with God to do something to move. I, I don't know about you, but I love to occasionally get in that posture in fact, it's really interesting how it works. Sometimes it's your heart of worship that draws you to a place of worship on your knees or on your face. 
And sometimes it's just getting in that posture that helps your heart get to the right place. I was at a Promise Keepers event years and years ago, my dad and my brother. and um, the, the speaker said, men, if you would, take your hands and, and, and do them like this. And we all did it. And he said, now, if you just place your face in your hands as a sign of contrition and brokenness before a holy God. Something about me putting my hands together and my face in my hands as a sign of uh, brokenness before God broke my heart. And so I just wept. I filled my hands with my tears. That posture helped me get my heart into the right place. I'll never forget the first message I preached in this building five and a half years ago. Brother Jerry and I were praying in his office before the service, and he had these two nice chairs, and we're sitting in those chairs visiting, and he said, well, let's, why don't we pray? I said, great, let's pray. So I started praying and, and prayed my prayer, wasn't paying attention much to anything else, and then Brother Jerry began to pray, and Brother Jerry has this ability when he prays, it just feels like, the, it's like E.F. Hutton, you know, the whole earth listens, well, the kind of a deal. Remember that commercial? But he, he just begins to pray, and his voice sounded funny, so I peeked. And he was flat of his face on the ground. I didn't know he had gotten on the ground. And I just remember going, I want to get there too. And I got on the ground with him and we ended up laying face to face sort of on the ground praying. Both of us weeping. Praying for what God might be up to. And he's done more than we could have asked or imagined. And he's still at work in us. There's something about the posture of prayer. And I just want to challenge you. Occasionally get on your knees. I love this area up here. It's not made for comfort. There's no padding under the carpet. It's, it's hard on your knees up here. And it's okay if you sit on, this, on the step. That's fine too, by the way. I'll let you know that. But I kind of like the discomfort because it, it's like us saying, Lord, I'm willing to face this discomfort. I'm willing to come to this place of humility to seek you. And that posture draws our hearts before a holy God in the right position. So then Paul says that he's going to pray to the Father for whom every family in heaven on earth is named. This is Paul saying, listen, there's no reason for prejudice. There's no reason for, for disagreements because we all have the same Father. He's talking about the human race. We all come from the same Father. We're all human beings. But I also think there's an implication as well to the mystery that he talked about in the previous chapter. I think he's also saying not only are we human beings in the human race, but God has given us a new humanity, a new society as, as Christians. And we all have the same Father, so there's an allusion to that as well. Paul then prays, according to the riches of his glory, he says. It's the second time he's used that phrase in Ephesians. He used it in chapter 1. And the concept is this. God is so rich... He's got so much of whatever you need that it's according to all those riches that he can give to you. What do you need this morning? God is rich in it. Some, some sort of healing in your body or your family or brokenness in a relationship or finances or addiction or something that's going on. God is rich in whatever it is that you need. And so Paul says, Lord, according to all that you have, it's more than enough to answer these prayers and move these people closer to you. But Paul prays for something very specific, and that is these people, these Ephesian believers, these churches, little groups, home churches, little groups all around Ephesus, that they would know Christ and his love. That's what he's praying for. So Paul prays for the growth of Ephesian believers. We would call it sanctification in seminary terms. That's the fancy word for it. But what it means is growth in Christ. When we come to know Jesus, that is the starting point in your life for growing for the rest of your life until the Lord takes you to heaven of sanctification. You never stop growing as a disciple in Jesus. You never graduate in discipleship. You grow and you grow and you grow until you go home to heaven. It's called sanctification. It's growth in Christ. And it seems to be what Paul is praying for for these Ephesian believers and for us as well. He says, he prays that they would be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, verse 16. Verse 17 says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
Paul prays for strength twice in our text this morning. The first one is that they would be strengthened with the power through the Spirit of God in their inner being, right? Then he prays, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It seems to me what Paul is doing here is, it's something kind of like a coin. You know, a coin has two sides to it. Salvation is like a coin with two sides to it. One side is the spirit moving and strengthening or quickening your heart, your spirit. That's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is Jesus dwelling in your heart. In other words, they don't happen exclusively from one another. It's not that Jesus comes into your heart and at some point when you get real spiritual, you get the Holy Spirit. That is not scripturally the truth. We don't see that as normative in in the New Testament. Paul never separates salvation from the Spirit's indwelling in his writing. It's the same time. Happens at the same time. Okay, There are some denominations that preach other things, but I see this as normative in the New Testament. So this is what he's saying. I pray that you be quickened and strengthened, but that also Christ may dwell in your hearts. He uses the word dwell, which in the Greek, this word right here, dwell, literally means to move in permanently. That's what the Greek word means. This is not, I'm going to come visit. I hope you do well while I'm here so you don't lose this. No, this is, Jesus is coming to dwell in your heart forever. A permanent residence in your heart. And he talks about praying that the Spirit would strengthen you with power. I love this. He's talking about the resurrection power of Jesus. He had already talked about it in Ephesians 2, verse 5 through 6. He says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. This is what God has done. As he's quickened our hearts and Jesus comes to dwell within us, the power that he's talking about is the power of the resurrected Jesus. The same power that resurrected Jesus takes you from death to life. Amen? That's what he does in us. And it starts this sanctification process. So our inner man is being quickened by the Spirit and we're saved by Christ. It happens at the same time. Also, I want you to notice uh, the reference to the Trinity. Again, this is Paul's fourth Trinitarian reference in Ephesians. It speaks of Father, Spirit, Son. You say, why is that important? Why do you keep bringing that up? Because you work with people, you live near people. You have people in your family or in your life who don't believe that there is a Trinity. Right? There are a lot of people, and uh, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, others, uh, Islam, they don't believe that there is a trinity of God and yet we see it over and over in the scripture. And so it's good to point out these doctrinal references that Paul has given us. Let's keep reading in our text. Ephesians three seventeen, the second half says, that you being rooted and grounded in love, I love that so much, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, when you come to know Christ as your Savior, the Spirit strengthens you, quickens you, brings you from death to life, and Christ saves you and moves in this permanent residence into your heart and your spirit and your life. You now have a foundation to build a life of Christ on. Paul says we each need deep roots and firm foundation. And what's cool about this is Paul uses two different examples. He uses an organic example. You need roots, like a tree, something that digs in deep, reaches for a water source. Right? You need something organic. And he also speaks of something architectural. You need good grounding. You need good foundation. I love that. But sadly, so many believers come to know Christ and they're ready with the foundation and then they never build on it. You ever go by a building somewhere and it just, it's never progressed? It's like a builder's run out of money or whatever the case has been and 
there's a foundation and there may be some boards up and it just stops there. You're like, what's going on? I wonder how many of us look like that from a spiritual perspective. We've trusted Jesus. We know Jesus. And we feel like we, we, we've gotten a good foundation started. The Lord has done that in our lives, but we haven't grown upon it. And this is exactly what Paul is praying for these Ephesian believers. Reminds me of Jesus talking about a foundation in Matthew 7, 24, when he says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man, watch this, who built his house on the rock, the rock was the foundation. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the the floods came and, and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. When Jesus is the savior of your life, you have a good foundation. But Jesus mentions here, it's not just a matter of faith that is the foundation. That gives us the foundation, but it is also our ability to hear what God says and do it that shows that the foundation exists. Know what Jesus said? Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Our salvation gives us the foundation in Christ that we need. And our obedience to Christ shows the world that we're ready to see that foundation grow up into Christ. So then Paul prays a second time for strength. He says that they comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth to know the love of Christ. To comprehend, I I like that word. The things that that you've read about before, but you didn't comprehend it. We're working with our girls all the time as they do these word problems and math and other things. Well, okay, Lori's working with the kids in the math. But I, you know, I was good at English. And, uh, but we're talking all the time about comprehension. Don't just read it. You know, sometimes we can read just kind of with a blank stare and then go, what'd you read? Uh, I don't know. I read it, but I didn't comprehend it. We often do that with God's word. We often do it as the church. We just go, no, I just go. I can just check it off my list because that's what good people do. They walk in and they go to church and listen. They go out and they, no, do you comprehend what God is doing? Do you truly get it, the sense of what God wants to do in our lives? Do we comprehend with all the saints? I love this phrase right here because what he's saying is that in order to comprehend it, in order to fully understand the love of Christ, it has to be done together. A life in Christ has to be lived in community if we're going to grow in Christ. It's just that simple. You will not grow as a Christian without a family to grow with. That's not the way God designed it. He designed it for you to grow and comprehend it with all the saints. I like the way uh, Tony Meredith says it. He says, it's beautiful to grasp it with all the saints. All the saints, rich and poor, black and white, young and old, should think on the love of Christ together. Discuss his love. Share stories of his love. Study the Bible together. God intends to shape us through community as we reflect on his gospel. Help us comprehend it, God, with all the saints. It has to be done together. Paul talks about this in several places. We're going to look at this over the next two weeks. And I thought, well, don't mention it now. You're going to look at it in two weeks. And I thought, I think it'll be okay for us to look at it now and then. What do you think? It's okay if we read this now and then. So let's read this. This is Ephesians 4. If you're in your Bible, just turn over to the next chapter. Verses 11 to 16. Listen for a communal Um, approach. Listen for Paul saying that it's important that we do this together. Listen for that, okay? And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Do you hear it? You see it? This is not an individual faith that you have called Christianity. It's a communal faith. And we don't get to choose and we get to do it by ourselves. That's not possible. The church will not grow. You will not grow. It's impossible to grow in Christ apart from a community of believers together. That's kind of like doing a uh, teeter-totter by yourself. You just can't do it, right? You get on one end, you're like, You can get dangerous and try and stand in the middle, try and figure it out, but it just doesn't work. A life in Christ does not work alone. Paul's trying to tell us we need each other. It's why it's so important for you to be an active, participating member of a church family. You don't have to be a part of this one. Praise God that you are. We're so thankful for our partners here. But God wants you to be connected to a family somewhere. Walking life. It's not just about attendance. It's not just about attendance. Listen to me. It's not just about attendance. It's about actual life together. That is the church. It's not just following under some some sort of a service. No, it's about am I walking life? Am I being honest? Am I sharing my life? Am I I helping somebody? Am I serving? Am I working with somebody to, to move the mission of Jesus forward? That is the church. God, change our hearts for a true biblical definition of the church. It's our prayer. We cannot grow in Christ alone. That's why we have different aspects for you to grow together. We have triads, groups of two to four where you do Bible study together. You're praying for people who need Jesus. You're on mission together. You're sharing the junk of your life and praying for one another. We have city groups where groups of 10 or 12 get together and they pray for one another. Then they hold each other accountable to mission and they're serving one another's needs and helping one another. That's why we have the equip meeting so that we can truly grow. And what, it mean, what does it mean to be a missionary? What does it mean to, to follow Christ and to make him known, not just go to a service? What does it mean to come in here and how do we learn in here? But all of this together is being a part of a family. And I'm praying with all my heart that God would help us to understand, help us to comprehend, help us to get it. What does it mean? What's interesting is Paul didn't pray that the Ephesians loved Jesus. <laughs> he prayed that they would understand the love of Jesus. It's a big difference. Father, help them comprehend, help them get the love of God. Help them understand the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of God's love. Help them not to just know it, help them to experience it. I think it's interesting, as he gives those beautiful poetic descriptors, Paul's trying for us to understand every facet of God's love. Backward and forward and high and low. I like the way John Stott says it reminds him of the, the, the diagram or the dimensions of the cross. And how beautiful because an upright pole reaches down into the earth. It reaches the lowest center. And it shoots up into the sky to give God the greatest glory. And yet the arms of the cross reach from east to west as if to invite anyone who would come. And I couldn't help but think about Psalm 103 that says that God, in his love for us, casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. Even just the dimensions of the cross sort of play into this breadth, length, height, and depth of God's love. Do you get it? Do you understand it? 
Because here's what I think. I think Paul got on his knees because he got it. I think Paul was willing to go through the beatings and the stonings and the shipwrecks and the pain and the stress and ultimately martyrdom because he got it. He understood the love of God. Because when you truly understand God's love for you, when you get a sense of what he's done for you, how you don't have to go to hell and you don't have to hang on a cross because he was willing to do it for you. When you see it, when you know it, when you see your sin for what it has been in your own life and you realize that Jesus loves you so much that he died for you, when you get it, friends, you will want to serve him. You will want to love him. You want to say, God, you've done that for me. What can I do for you? I give everything to you, God. And so that's why Paul doesn't pray that they have the greatest love in all the world. No, God, just help them to get it. Help them to comprehend it. Help them to see it because if they see it, they will learn to live a sacrificial life, a life crucified with Christ. A.W. Tozer says, Because God is self-existent, his love had no beginning. Because he is eternal, his love can have no end. Because he is infinite, it has no limit. Because he is holy, it is the quintessence of all spotless beauty. Because he is immense, his love is an incomprehensibly vast, bottomless, shoreless sea. I pray that we get it. I pray that we see it not in the eyes of religion. but with a heart of a sinner saved by grace. Why? Where's this leading? Where's Paul going? Well, he says, for the purpose of being filled with all the fullness of God. What does it look like for you to be filled with all the fullness of God? For you to have every single thing that, that God wants you to have. For you to be fully satisfied in him. What does that look like for you? For that maturity in Christ. And this is what Paul's talking about. Paul's prayed that these Ephesian believers in every stage of sanctification would grow in their knowledge of his love, fruitfulness of their lives. Right? He's prayed from the Spirit's quickening of their souls, Christ dwelling in their hearts, having deep roots and a firm foundation, experiencing and knowing this amazing love of Christ until they're mature believers who have a fullness of God. So he's mapped it out from start to finish. From birth to when we go home. Full maturity in Jesus, hopefully. So a question I have for you this morning is where are you? What, what stage of the maturity level are you in Christ have you gone backward or are you still moving forward? Do you love Jesus today more than you did a year ago? Praise God. If not, why not? Is it the cares of the world? Is it the deceitfulness of the riches? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes? What, what exactly is going on in your heart and your life that is not allowing you to progress in this sanctification process in Jesus? He always wants us moving forward. In fact, Jesus said this of the Ephesian church, that they would get back to that first love. Go back to the first love. Where is your life in Christ today? And then we're going to close this morning when Paul turns his prayer for the Ephesians to praise. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more, abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Kent Hughes, theologian, says his high theology always becomes doxology, high praise. He doesn't stay with theology, he always moves to praise. His thought process of what God is and has done and his doing always leads him to humility and leads him to praise. And Paul has prayed such a beautiful prayer for these Ephesian believers. 
lifting them to the Lord. I think in some ways Paul starts thinking about his own sanctification process. I'll be honest with you, it's hard to talk to you about grace without seeing it through the lens of the grace in my own life. I can't. And I know as Paul has done that, it leads him to go to his knees and pray, Lord, give them these steps of maturity and take them to fullness and maturity in Christ because you're so good. And his, his prayer turns to praise and he, he, he gets hyperbolic again. I love when Paul gets hyperbolic and he just, he starts describing things over and over again so that he helps us understand how serious this is. Look what he says. Now to him, he turns this from prayer to praise. Now to him, and watch all these descriptors, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we think or ask. He just piles on these descriptors. You know, sometimes we ask in moderation, but we think in extravagance. You ever do that? Happens to me all the time. Somebody says, you want a piece of that pie? And I might ask in moderation, well, just give me a, just a little tiny piece. But in my mind, I'm going, I could eat that whole dang pie. You know what's cool about God? Even though we ask in moderation and sometimes we think in extravagance, it's still too small. It's still too small. Whatever the prayer is, whatever the need is, God is going to give you more. That's what he does. And it's according to the work that is within you, this resurrection power of Jesus at work in you. Have you noticed in your life that sin doesn't have that same pleasure that it once did? I hope so, man. I hope that as you as you're sometimes are drawn back to those sinful ways, you just go, it's just not the same anymore. Praise God. Praise God that the Spirit is working in you, that the power of the resurrected Jesus is moving you from who you were in death to who he wants you to be in life. That attitude that one time might have been greedy or selfish or evil, is it changing? Sometimes I, th I think God is changing too slowly, but I'm, I'm glad it's changing. It's, it's becoming content. It's becoming giving. It's becoming more godly because of the resurrection power of Jesus. You know, one thing I want to just mention as I was praying over this for us. A few years ago, God laid on my heart a desire for innocence again. My mind has thought awful things. My lips have said awful things. My heart has conceived awful things, evil, broken things. But I noticed as I come to know Christ more, I start finding myself shocked, more shocked with evil, more offended with words, more cautious of movies and television shows. And, and I started going, oh, I get it. This is sanctification. God, do that in me. Give me my innocence back. Help me to be shocked again, God, for my little girls, for my wife, for my marriage, for my mind. Help me to, Philippians 4, 8, think on things that are noble and pure, things that honor you, Jesus. He can give us our innocence back. I believe it. He is at work in us. Philippians 1, 6, to be encouraging to you this morning. Paul says, I'm sure of this. I love that. Paul says, I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will, be, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He is moving you in a direction of knowing Christ and loving him, understanding him and living for him. Then he wraps up his message, his prayer, with praise. And he says in this doxology, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a statement. That statement feels bigger than just a few house churches around Ephesus to me. It feels like Paul knew he was making a statement and a prayer for all believers. He says, for all generations, right? Throughout all generations, forever and ever, and amen. That's us. That's our children. That's our children's children. Paul knew that God wanted these believers to grow in their faith to understand his love, but that his love, if they truly got it, would motivate them to love, motivate them 
to obedience, to serve. His prayer was that God would be glorified in this crazy mystery of different people and different cultures brought together in this thing called the church, this new society that he had built, this group of people that he had brought together as the church. I'll ask you a couple of questions and we're going we're to close. Has God quickened your soul? Has he strengthened your soul? Has he dwell in your heart? Do you know Christ as your Savior? If you don't, why wait another day? Don't wait another day. Come talk to me in just a few minutes. And let's settle that today. Know Jesus as your Savior. And then I ask, do you have deep roots? Do you have a good foundation? Is there anything built on top of that? Are you moving in a direction of knowing Christ and loving him and understanding his love? Where are you in your maturity in Jesus? Don't think, I, you know, I'm working on it. I'll get there. Alone you won't. You won't get there alone. You need a family. People who are not judgmental. People who understand that they're just as broken as you are and yet love you enough to call you up. Speak truth and love. Help you be obedient to Jesus. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's my prayer as Paul prayed for these deep roots and this growth in Jesus for the church at Ephesus that it would be true of us as well. He is building his church. He is building his church. I pray that it would be true of our family as well. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we love you and we're thankful, Father, for your love for us. We're thankful, Jesus, for your desire to see us grow, your desire to see us move, not from a stagnant position, uh, but to continue to grow from the spirits moving and Jesus saving us to this foundation where, where life is built upon decisions because we heard you, Jesus. We're going to follow you. We're going to be obedient. We're not going to just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And that good foundation is going to move us forward in relationship with you, in growth in you, in sanctification in you. And Lord, as we follow you, you're going to help us begin to get it, begin to comprehend, begin to understand, begin to live out what it means to be loved by Jesus. And when we truly know it, Lord, our motivation changes from obligation <laughs> to joy. I don't have to serve you. I don't have to follow you because I'm obligated to it. I better or something bad's going to happen. That is bad theology and wrong motivation. God, may I serve you. May I say yes to you. May I be obedient to you because you have so greatly loved me. Build on the foundation of every believer, I pray, in, in, in this building that's watching today. God, that we would know your love and that it would take us to maturity, fullness in Christ and give us, God, give us the obedience to do it with all the saints, to do it together. Can't be done alone. This is your design. God, help us to see it and understand it and do more than we could ever ask or think. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the things we're going to do this morning is we're going to take up an offering. Um, we can, you can go on our app. You can go on the website. You can give in multiple different ways. But we're going to do an offering today for missions from around the world. And it's, uh, it's a big deal, even especially as we look at the news and we see Ukraine. And I was just talking to some of our, our folks here about some of these believers in Ukraine, some of these missionaries are just staying put in a war-torn country so that they can serve, so that they can witness, so that they can be Christ to these people. Beautiful. So this offering serves those people and other change-maker missionaries around the world. So the good-looking fellow there on his knee in the picture is Brother Jerry. Kid, come on up here, Brother Jerry. 
I love that picture, don't you? Got a map out. He's like, where to, Lord? I'll go. <laughs> Come on up here. I think of Brother Jerry, and I think about him as a missionary through and through. It's who he is. It is his heart. And uh, I wanted to just give him a couple of minutes. This, this offering has been named in his honor. If that tells you anything about how uh, the network that we're a part of feels about him, <laughs> they've named this World Missions Offering that they take once a year, the Jerry Kidd World Missions Offering. That's kind of a big deal. And yes, I've been bragging about the fact that we've got the Jerry Kidd on this day. Often he's in another church preaching and sharing, but today we've got Brother Jerry to share with us. What, what's going to happen with this offering that is given? What would you like to share with us about the mission that's going on uh, in our network? Thank you, Drew. It's on. Can you see it on? Yeah. Well, as I, I, as I think of world missions, and uh, I, uh, I automatically go to uh, young men and women uh, around the world. I think first of those that we started with in Bolivia, underneath the wings of that airplane, when we just gathered and sat on stools and began to learn uh, what God was saying and how God was calling uh, not only us, but them. Yeah. And I think now of how that uh, in uh, over uh, the, uh, the, the numbers that have that they've grown sure. to now, over uh, seven to 800 uh, national missionaries that are, are preaching God's word today in the different languages uh, and in different places of the world, I just think of what all is 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 being done mm -hmm. to advance the cause of Christ and yeah. and to for people to know uh, what it is uh, to to have God in their lives. Yeah. I'm I'm so thankful for the the scope of the missions. And for what uh, we're able to do in, in in these different places around the world uh, today, now just think of the individuals, the the people, and what they're doing just today. I think of I think of Nino in in Paraguay, mm. who started with us under the wings of the airplane studying, and now God has led. He and his family to, to be in another country, and and it just goes could just go all all around the world today, and I just think of the of how how I, how grateful I am and how thankful I am uh, that God has has used us uh, to to be in in so many places at at, at, at the same time now preaching God's word. That's the importance of it. Think of what's being done. Yeah. Uh, and I think, especially this morning, I'm, I'm thinking of, of the Ukraine, and I think you're going to have Jeff say something yeah. uh, in a moment. But uh, I think of those believers and uh, the love that they, that they have for the Lord and uh, the, the sacrifices that, that they're making they don't think it's a sacrifice, but what they're doing because of their intense love for God yeah. and how that they, they go and they work under, under extenuating circumstances and it's just to preach God's word. Right. And in the mountains and in the rivers and all of these difficult places to get to, now God's word is going there. And uh, it's it's exciting to to think about them today, right. as we go, as our my mind just goes all around the world. Sure today. does. I, I like the the fact that you mentioned national missionaries. I think is an important piece that the heart behind uh, missions is that they 
go all around the world and evangelize and then give that ministry back to national missionaries in the area. So Bolivians and Paraguayans and Ukrainians, and they're giving that ministry away. Jeff, go ahead and come on up here. I've asked one of our elders, Jeff Franks, to come. I didn't know he was going to be in town. He's been out of town. I'm so glad he's here this morning because I want to pray for Ukraine. But there's nobody better in our church who could pray for Ukraine. Jeff, was a, uh, Jeff and Colleen were missionaries in Ukraine for 23, 24, 22 years. Has only been back in the States for a few years. And I know he's been praying. His heart is broken for what's going on over there. Um, and this could be an opportunity where we pray on our knees. It's going to be an opportunity where we say, Lord, hear this cry and move on behalf of these people. And so I'm going to ask Jeff to pray for us. If you want to give to the World Missions offering today, I pray that you would. It, it, any amount can help, okay? So whatever you want to give is good. You can give on our app or in the black box on the wall in the back. However you want to give, whatever ways we have set up, we just encourage you to do that. It will make a difference, okay? So we're going to pray, and then after we pray, we'll be dismissed, okay? God bless you. So Jeff, will you pray for us? Jeff, yeah, sure. Yeah, go for it. Uh, before we come before the Lord in prayer, I just want to share with you uh, some of the uh, thoughts I've had about our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and, um, and, and, and in Russia as well. Uh, um, uh, in, I think back to 1997, I was leading a Bible study. There may have been 10 or 12 people in the Bible study, but a... Uh, a young man named uh, Nick and his wife Yelena came into that study and at the end of the Bible study I, I asked anyone there if they haven't received the Lord if they would just open their hearts and and accept him into their hearts and uh, Nick and Yelena cried tears and bowed low and and accepted Jesus into their hearts I had the privilege of uh, of working with Nick and leading him and with a number of other men in a, in a small group, of a discipleship group. Several of them became pastors. He became a pastor eventually, and he planted a church. And uh, uh, the last several days, I've been speaking with him and the people in his cellar. He's had 17 people, some of them neighbors and some of them church members that I know well for many years there in the in the cellar and uh, uh, during the conversations we've had sometimes he's been up in his his house and he's been sometimes on the street uh, in his house I saw the bombs going off and automatic weapons fire and the flashes in the window uh, in the street he was in the street I it was my morning four o'clock we were talking my our morning and it was noon in Ukraine and he was watching an aircraft, an Ukrainian aircraft, being shot at by the Russians who were lining the streets of the town that we lived in. Uh, tanks, self-propelled howitzers, and uh, many of them filled with Chechen fighters who are vicious and don't care uh, who they shoot at and who they explode. He showed me his neighbor's car, which, was, which was, had, had been uh, hit by a missile, and the, the crossing there, the train tracks that had been completely destroyed. And they are in the bunker, and I have spoken with them in their little cellar, and they are crying, and then sometimes they're smiling and praising the Lord and singing together. So I just want you to think of them this morning, that God is greatly at work. He's, he's never, never more lifted up and praised than when our brothers and sisters come into trouble and when they recognize their powerlessness yeah. their emptiness their inability to do anything and their lives are at stake their homes are being torn to pieces and there many of them are refugees the figure i heard this morning is now 350,000 Ukrainians have left their homes. The streets are filled with, with cars, people not knowing where to go. What part of the country can they go in if all, if all sides are being bombed and there's you know conflict? But the brothers and sisters have hearts that love the Lord. And so and I just wanted to share a little bit of that with you, that 
this is a very real and very difficult time for them. And uh, I, I feel powerless myself. And so I, I think it is time for us simply to come before the one who has all power. Yes. When we have nothing to offer, yes. nothing to give, he has all things in his hands and he holds us and, and the, all of our brothers and sisters in all the countries where Brother Jerry has worked and I've had the privilege of working so, so many. It's really about the Lord and the work that he's doing. So let us come before him in humility, in our powerlessness, and call on his holy name yes. to do the work that only he can do. Yeah. Let's do that now. Our dear and precious Lord, Heavenly Father, we, we call on your name. It is the name that is above every name. Because you went to the cross, because you were humbled yourself, and you, 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 you poured yourself out for us, we call on your name the name that is above all names. Your power is greater than the greatest weapon that man could ever have thought to make out of his evil heart to destroy. We know that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But in you there's life, and life abundant. God, we we call out to you to give courage to those who are defending their homes, who are defending their families, who need courage, who need strength, whose eyes need to be opened to the one who has all power. I pray that you will give courage to them, especially the leaders. And I call for you to bless and you give your wisdom to leaders in both sides of this conflict. Yes, Jesus. There's no enemy we can call by an ethnic name because there's no country or ethnicity on earth that is uh, the evil. For our enemy is not flesh and blood, no. but principalities and powers. And may these principalities and powers be defeated. Yes, Jesus. May their evil intentions, may shame go onto their heads, yes. God. And I pray Lord Jesus. that those who are humble Jesus. and low and want to defend their, their own in love, give them courage and strength and open their hearts. Give them, give them the ability to fight today using the tools that they have only to defend themselves, their homes, their country. Give them courage, Lord. But above all, give them the ability to love their enemies when the time comes, yes, Lord. when their, their loved ones are defended. Give them the ability to be kind, to be forgiving, and create again peace between two neighbors who should love one another with all their hearts, the Russians and the Ukrainians today. And Father, prevent this this evil from spilling over to other lands and other peoples mm. may it be contained. Yes, Jesus. And in all of these things, Father, may your name be glorified. God, and once again, let the gospel be preached and let yes. there be peace yes. so that the, the name that is above all names can be heard again and people can, can rejoice again. And praise your name for all the good things that you are doing. Yes, Lord. God, thank you for hearing our prayer. Yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is good soil to give to. And may God use our prayers, not just now, but this week and 
ongoing for the people of Ukraine and Russia. Uh, may he make himself known. Not just there, but here through you. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. Hope you have a wonderful week. Come stay for Equip if you can. Starts at 11. We'll get going right on time. God bless you.